This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good one today. Hope you stayed cool on Monday. That was hot outside, understatement of the century. Um, would not have been a great night to watch baseball, unless you like this kind of thing. Chip Scoggins the other day was saying he loves this kind of weather. Um, I, I'm not with him on that. He liked the hotter the better. He says, Star Tribune columnist, uh, when he was on the podcast last week, I would uh, prefer not. Today should be a little bit better, still hot, but not unbearably hot. Good night to go watch Twins and Cleveland Guardians play with first place in the American League Central on the line in this series. Cleveland has been on a tear lately, um, making up a lot of ground on the Twins. The Star Tribune had a graphic to that effect in uh, today's paper just showing how much Cleveland has gained on the Twins in the last three weeks or so. I think there's something like 15 and four um, during that stretch. Twins a little bit under 500. Cleveland has made up six and a half games on the Twins since May 30th. So just three weeks, they've made up six and a half games. That's how fast things can change. Um, you guys, just a reminder of that, that nothing is, you know, everything is uh, everything is, is subject to change this time of year. Um, Twins, though, still in first place. And if you look at Cleveland, you look at a team that you're kind of like the Twins. You're like, how exactly are they getting it done? It's not like the starting pitching has been great. It's not like they do one thing all that well, although Jose Ramirez has been fantastic for them this season. But an interesting time in in this division. Um, like we've mentioned a few different times, Twins, like I said, a game up on Cleveland. They're, they're four and a half up on Chicago. White Sox starting to play a little bit better. They are six and four in their last 10. Detroit and Kansas City sure look like they're settling into a familiar bottom spot in the division. But uh, right now, Twins and Cleveland are the ones that are really battling for first place. Twins have played six more games than Cleveland has. Um, So weird standings. Twins have four more wins and two more losses than Cleveland to arrive at their status as uh, one game up going into this three-game series at Target Field. They'll play five more times after this series not too long after this, they've got a game to make up in there. One of the ones Cleveland has to make up, um, I believe that was a rain out earlier in the year, if I'm not mistaken. So lots, uh, lots to get settled out still here in this uh, in this AL Central race. I think the Twins have seven games against the White Sox still in the next month too before the All Star break. So those 15 games, um, they won't determine the final. You know who's going to win, but th- this will this will be a good kind of litmus test stretch for the Twins. If we talked about the AL Central stretch they had um, you know, a week or two ago as being, hey, this is the gauntlet. This is the this is a, we're gonna find out what they're made of. I don't know if we'll find out what they're made of here so much, but we'll 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 get a better head to head comparison and a strength comparison of who these teams are in the division. So that should be fun. That should be, you know, that's what that's why you watch baseball. That's why you watch sports. You want to see the team you enjoy watching compete at a reasonably high level. And, you know, sometimes they lose and that's, you know, that's life. You don't like it, but it's better certainly than when they are out of it from the beginning. Um, you let yourself feel a little bit. You leave yourself vulnerable a little bit to getting hurt by a team. But you know what? This is a, this is why you watch sports. I hope everybody enjoys 
this series. I hope everybody enjoys the, these these 15 games against the better teams, between the better teams in this division so far to kind of sort some things out before the All-Star game, really give the Twins some shape heading into the second half of the year and heading into the trade deadline, um, which will be coming up in early August as well. I want to talk uh, NBA on this show as well. Um, some interesting stuff from Tim Connolly in a Chris Hine Q&A that's in today's paper and on StarTribune.com. Kobe Jones, former Major League Soccer and U.S. Men's National Team standout, will also be on today's show talking about the Major League Soccer All-Star Game. He was here late last week promoting that, promoting the Skills Challenge, um, things like that. So really good conversation with Kobe, just kind of looking back at where Major League Soccer has been, where it is now, the national team, some good questions from listeners as well to help us get into some more depth on that subject so i hope you enjoy that conversation with kobe jones coming up in a little bit and i'll have some some more thoughts on major league soccer and just kind of where it stands compared to some of its peer leagues that have been around for much longer and we'll talk a little bit of tampa bay lightning my goodness every time you want to write them off you know down to nothing in that Rangers series that came storming back down 2 nothing to Colorado in the Stanley Cup Finals. Then what do they do? They get a 6-2 win on uh, on Monday night to make this a series again. So we'll talk a little bit of NHL at the end of the show as well. But let's get back into some NBA stuff now. And some you know, I wrote about this on Monday, just the idea of Carl Anthony Towns perhaps making a position switch or at least you know a, a partial position switch and playing some more power forward in this league instead of being a true center in the NBA and you know the the, the even the idea that that the that the Timberwolves might be batting this around you've seen some comments from Tim Connolly in the last few weeks that make make it seem like they're open to the idea at least and you've kind of seen you know I think uh the Athletics national reporter Shams Sharania reporting that the Wolves have been poking around at a lot of veteran centers, um, including Clint Capella, who is with the Hawks. And if you're, you know, no no reason to doubt that. Um, you know, there's going to be some other big names potentially out there on the trade market. Even someone like a man. Think about someone like a Rudy Gobert. I mean, with the with the Jazz thinking about maybe blowing this all up just you know Quinn Snyder just uh leaving you know get, getting getting a uh, departing that job Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert having a certain rift that's you know think about some of the potential out there but you know, if you're thinking even about a Clint Capella you're not thinking about him playing 12 minutes a game as a backup center he's a guy that's you know 28 years old prime of his career he's going to be playing 28 to 30 minutes a game you bring someone like that in, that's going to necessitate a position switch for Carl Anthony Towns, uh, at least for a, a decent chunk of the game. So, you know, and we'll see where they end up landing. But if they're, if they're seriously, you know, looking at veteran bigs like that, that is an indication that they are very willing uh, to, uh, to, to engage in a position switch um, and think about Carl Anthony Towns as a, as a power forward. Now, a couple interesting things uh, on the Tim Connolly front um, with with regards to Carl Anthony Towns that I found interesting from uh, Chris's Q and A. One of his questions was: Carl Anthony Towns is eligible for a supermax extension. How much thought have you given that? Do you envision him as a franchise cornerstone? And Connolly says, "I hope he's here forever. 
Um, hope we have the kind of team success that would allow us to look up and see Carl's jersey being hang hung up in the rafters. I reached out to a bunch of these guys, but I don't want to force relationships. You have to develop these things naturally. So I've heard so many great things about him. I know how great a player he is in the court, but off the court, he's been so consistent. Just an unbelievably sweet guy that treats everyone in a real classy manner. Um, you know, that was an, it sounds like he hasn't had a lot of contact with Towns yet, which is interesting to me a little bit. You would think that that would be something that might have happened a little bit already, but like you said, not going not gonna to force things, but trying to figure out where Cat's head is at, trying to figure out what his, uh, what his thought process is going into this, you know, super max eligible offseason. Wolves obviously had quite a bit of success last season, at least relative to the past, made the playoffs 46 and 36. Cat, a huge part of that, of course. Um, but uh, another question from Chris to uh, to Tim to Tim Connolly. The more the most glaring need seems to be finding somebody to play in the front court, getting added rebounding. But when you sit back and evaluate the roster, what do you see? And Connolly said, "I think sitting down with Finchy, Chris Finch. That's his nickname for Chris Finch. Calls him that all the time. Love to see it." So it's been great to hear what he thinks. There are a couple areas where we've got to get better. We've got to get better defensively at the rim. We can't be a defensive rebounding team like we've been in the past. We've got to close possessions. The biggest defensive metric is closing possessions, ending possessions. We don't want to be so solely focused on what we're not good at, and I think this team has developed a pretty clear identity in terms of ball movement, length, athleticism, aggression. So we want to make sure those things are paramount, that as we add, but every team has holes. Every team is trying to plug those holes. We have to be strategic in how we approach these things. That, you know, is interesting because, as I wrote on Monday, that the Wolves were a bad defensive rebounding team in 2022 they gave up um defensive rebounding percentage was 28th in the league that means they they grabbed the third fewest number of available defensive rebounds uh, of any team in the league guess who was number one in the nba in 2021-22 it was the denver nuggets the roster assembled by one tim Connolly. Um, in the playoffs for the Wolves, it was even worse. Um, they got absolutely drilled by Memphis because they could not get rebounds. Wolves had the third worst uh, defensive rebounding percentage in the uh, in the playoffs. Gave up the most points in the paint in the playoffs, 53 a game in those six games. And they gave up the second most second chance points, 15.8 per game. It felt like way more. Um, and when Memphis was making a lot of their rallies in the fourth quarter, a lot of that was points in the paint. A lot of that was second chance points. A lot of that was the inability to close out possessions. Denver has consistently ranked in the top 10, top 15 at least in the league since Connolly took over. Wolves have consistently ranked in the bottom third of the league since Carl Anthony Towns came into the league. So this is not necessarily a cat problem, but it's a, it's a thing where... If he doesn't have someone else next to him who can get a lot of defensive rebounds, that area is going to suffer. So, you know, Connolly's quote, though, is interesting because when you've got Jared Vanderbilt next to Towns, you've got a pretty athletic lineup in there, a, a good, you know, lineup that can switch a lot, that can do things defensively that certainly help the Wolves improve defensively overall last season. Because if you look at, you know, you look at defensive rating, uh, the Wolves were pretty good last year, especially relative to the past. They finished 13th in the league in defensive rebounding. I'm, I'm sorry, in defensive rating. 
a major upgrade from where they had been. So you don't want to lose that, but you've got to get better at rebounding. And one way to do it is to get a bigger player in here to play alongside Towns and maybe make that player the center. Let Towns kind of, you know, get some matchups against some of these power forwards, some of these stretch fours, take them down low, um, you know, let him let him operate against these guys and really, you know, really work them over and still be able to get in there and get those rebounds uh, with somebody else next to him that can rebound to really shore up that area. So that's going to be fascinating to watch for me this offseason. Do they really, are they really serious about converting some of Towns' minutes to power forward? What does he think about that? And what does that look like for the entire roster? That, to me, is as important as anything else the Wolves might do this offseason. Yes, and that includes what might happen with D'Angelo Russell. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, I am really happy to be joined today by Kobe Jones. You might know him. Um, longtime Major League Soccer star, longtime um, U.S. national team stand. I believe you have the most caps still in the U.S. national team history. Is that true? Yep, yep, still holding strong. <laughs> all right, all right. Someday that might get broken. You never know. That would be a good thing probably if you had someone that played that many matches on, on this team. That would mean something was going Something was going right, but uh, Kobe, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm happy to be here in Minnesota. It's It's been uh, a wonderful day so far, and it's only going to get better. It has. We are out here as of recording right now. Um, MLS All-Star Game coming here in about a little over two months, a little less than two months probably now around, around this time, doing some kind of kickoff stuff, doing some skills competition stuff with, with the media. All-Star, I think it was All-Star Skills Challenge is what we're calling MLS it. MLS All-Star Skills Challenge. That's, that's right. the, uh, the, official, <laughs> the official name for it. But you know, as you look out, Kobe, on, we're sitting right here in the, in the brew hall at Allianz Field, kind of looking out on this stadium. I mean, you, you played in a lot of MLS stadiums. A lot of the early days of MLS was a lot of big, empty football stadiums when you look at when you look at this what does that say to you about the league and the health of the league well i i think you've hinted at it it says that we've made it and you know we've made it to to a degree i will say this is where you want to go you want to build stadiums like this that not only house fantastic teams and fantastic clubs but also um can showcase you know some of those some of those teams but also you have the opportunity that the stadium itself becomes a a venue that people want to go to and hold events at and and kind of uh, be a destination spot when you i mean you were kind of the early days of of mls and you maybe made some sacrifices to a certain degree to help grow the league as you know in its in its infancy what you know as you kind of think about those kind of early pioneering days what do you what do you what what springs to mind is is where the league was then compared to to where it is now well it was in the, the league back in the day as we like to say back now all, all of us uh, old timers you know we say it was uh in its infancy and and yes there were sacrifices to be made but it was so that we could make it to points like this where we can see a league that is healthy that is continuing to grow that is only getting better that is uh creating some of uh you know, <laughs> creating some um great moments great for great opportunities you know not only for the players but also for the fans okay. and and, the, and this is where we're at now i mean this arena allianz field it, it, it's it's amazing yeah it really is i mean and you as you you know not to take keep, keep taking you back to to the mm-hmm. day but you know a lot of those early markets were kind of some of the 
the bigger traditional media markets you've just seen the league expand to so many different places. You know, Minnesota always had you know a, a fairly strong but small soccer community. There was the Minnesota Thunder that were here for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a second division team, but it's really kind of, kind of indicative to me of the growth of the sports just kind of across the country. And a lot of that, I think, was the 94 World Cup, if we're being honest, just the, the growth of that. Well, you know, as you think about that kind of as a as a moment, you know, how do you, how do you kind of contextualize what that has meant to, you know, the growth from that point forward? Well, that, that 94 World Cup and, and just the experience there and the success of that team has led to all this. You know, without that success, a lot of what we have, um, well, let's be honest, what we have isn't where it's at right now. Yes, maybe we get here, but it would be much, much longer. Who knows if, uh, you know, the league kicks off, you know, if there's not a successful, you know, World Cup. You know, who knows, you know, a variety of different things, you know, within the soccer world in the United States without that initial success, you know, by that group. So I, I give all the credit in the world, you know, to that 94 team. I give all the credit to uh, the group before that, you know, in 90, that kind of spurred the first initials that, hey, maybe soccer can be a success in the United States. And to see where we're at now, you know, and, and you know, like we said, we're talking about like, we're talking about all-star games now, yeah. you know, <laughs> which which uh, are just a whole different mindset from what, where we were back then. No one would even be thinking about an all-star games, you know. But now yeah. we're talking about this game, you know, being here, and it it does blow my mind to a degree. That leads me to a question from a listener. Actually, I've opened it up to you know, on social media. I've a lot of people that follow me are big soccer fans who so say, "Hey, what you you know." Kobe Jones, I'm talking to him today. What What do you want to know? And one one question from Dan Wade, kind of on that same track, was you know 94 is credited for getting soccer in this country to where it is now. What's the next step, and how big of a role does 2026 play in that? Well, um, those are those are a couple of questions there, right? Right, it's a lot to yeah, take that's in. An overarching, you know, you know, view of everything. Look. The, the next the next steps are, you know, I think we're kind of in that process, right? Because everything is encapsulated within just soccer in itself, but everything kind of touches, all the points touch to some degree. We, we have the big deal with MLS now that, that just came through that. Yeah, that's a stepping that. stone. Yeah. That's, a, that's one of the different stepping stones, the media rights, because once that goes, then all of a sudden more and more money it, it gets involved in the game, then all of a sudden the rules will be able to change as far as what you can pay for players and, and all these different things. Um, for me... It is the continued growth. I think that that's very important, and it's and it goes hand in hand with the continued success at the national team level. I think for me, a, a major step would be if the U.S. men's team can go a farther than we did in 2002, because then all the because one of the things that no one can argue with is that there's always exponential growth after a World Cup. Yeah, you know, there's there, there's this boom of interest, and by the the soccer fans, some of them may be going, "Huh, what are you talking about?" But Pay attention that during this World Cup that's coming up in, in right now in 22, but in 26 especially, you're going to see people coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. That, that for the fans out there that are listening, you're going to have people that that had don't even know what soccer is about going to be asking you, hey, hey, what's the, what's going right. on? <laughs> I, well, I, I, I speak from experience. Like I was a high school senior in '94. And, you know, grew up in growing up in North Dakota, which was not a soccer hotbed at, at all. But when the World Cup came, all of a sudden my friends and I were like, hey, let's go play. We're like, we started playing soccer, just like pick up soccer. We call it World Cup. Like we got yeah. World Cup fever. We got soccer fever. I'm sure you hear stories like that all the time. But that is yeah. that is 
that is the product of the attention the sport gets when you have it on that stage. It, exactly. And that and those are the steps. The deal with MLS, the World Cup coming here. And then I think, like I said, if we have success on the men's side, the women have always been very successful. Yeah. So that's important. I'd like to see the growth of NWSL in, in as well to have all the teams on a solid base and fan growth. You know, because I, I don't think we could talk about the growth of the game. And I, I mean the totality of soccer in this country unless we talk about the women's as well. So it's good to see everything kind of connecting and just growing and building a couple more questions for you Kobe enjoying this conversation as you kind of as you kind of think back on some of the more successful national teams that you were a part of what I mean aside from just talent what, what was it that clicked with some of those rosters or what what made that team those teams have a certain synergy that was able to you know have a certain level of success on the international level I, I think when we look at the successful teams within that I've been on, you know, be it national team, be a club or, as yeah, well. Galaxy, sure. Um, yeah. There's, there's always been this bond, you know, amongst the group. Um, a lot of that is dependent upon the coaching staff and getting the right setup and makeup of players where you have veterans, mid, mid range players, rookies and, and young guys that all contribute, you know, and that, and that goes national team and, and club. Um, the group always has something to usually focus upon or, uh, as as a common goal, okay, you know that that's extremely important, and it can be positive or negative. In that, like, <laughs> oh, we all hate this, or we all okay. love this. Uh -huh. You know, as uh -huh. long as the group is together, <laughs> right? You know, and and headed in the same direction, it, it's it's amazing what can be accomplished. Along those lines, Brian Corstead, longtime soccer writer in this market, had a question that he posed on Twitter to me. He said, "Ask Kobe." Thinking about the 22 men's national team heading into this World Cup cycle, what are the biggest strengths and potentially what are the biggest weaknesses at this point that you feel like Greg Berhalter, Greg Berhalter needs to address or how can he address before the, before the competition begins? Uh, strengths of this team, you, you know, I would say is we're, what I'm starting to see is a unity. Okay. You know, amongst the group. And I think kind of what I mentioned before about having something to work together with. I mean, there was a lot of criticism on this team just a little while ago. Um, sure was. The, yeah, within the last, you know, few months. Uh -huh. And through that, you saw bonding, yeah. you know, amongst amongst that group. And, and that was very important that they were able to bond together. So I think we're starting to see, look, we all know about talent. You know, there's yeah. talented players and individuals. Yeah, yeah that, that's you gotta fantastic. Have that, but... but some of the most talented teams in the world don't do anything in the World Cup. You know, France 98, they win it. 2002, they don't score a goal. Right. You know, so these yeah. are some of the things that, that people have to remember is it's more than just the skill level of the individuals. It, I, I truly believe it is if you can come together as a team and as a group and have that focus and unity. And I'm starting to see that within this team. Um, that, that's the strength. The weaknesses? You know, that could be a, a variety of different things of, of injuries that are popping up. You know, who's going to play in the center back position? Can we find a, a good a good number nine that is going to be that solid player? Uh, consistency in starting uh, with the lineups. Those are those are some of the things that I would say. Okay, and final thing for you, Kobe. Um, Oyve to you on Twitter wanted to know, anybody on this current men's national team that reminds you of you? <laughs> uh, that reminds of myself on this national team um hmm. i can't say that there's there's really one look that's always that's a loaded question it because is, of course whenever it is. Yeah. I, if i say anyone they're gonna say like oh he's comparing himself to right, such and right, such right. you know uh, <laughs> i know i know but, uh, it's fair no i no i i wouldn't say that there's 
anyone in particular, okay. you know, right now that I would say reminds me of, of myself. Um, I would say the, the group, you know, I would say there's some mentalities that remind me okay. of myself okay. more so than anything. Uh, I would say when you talk about um, a Musa or a Tyler Adams, you know, the, the guys that or, or Weston McKinney. And what I mean by that, they have a, a gritty attitude yeah. of like, I don't care if we're losing two, three, nothing. Yeah. I'm still fighting to yeah. make this respectable. I'm still fighting to try to win this match. And that's, that I think is what every team, you know, needs. You need somebody that doesn't care how the results are going, but is going to continue to grind and fight for the full 90 minutes and, and is willing to put it all out there to basically have that bleeding heart out on the field. Great answer. Great time for soccer here. I mean, all-star yeah. game coming here, World Cup cycle, um, the, like you referenced, the TV deal. I talked about that a lot on an earlier podcast last week. So just lots going on, lots to yeah. love. Kobe, thanks yeah. so much for joining me here today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I hope to see you at the All-Star game. Absolutely. You going to be there? I should be. August 9th, man. Yeah. All-Star Skills Challenge first. Yeah. First and foremost, it. are you going <laughs> to you give it a shot? I'll give it a shot. Wait, I, I got to say something before you go, because that's where... This is something that's great for the fans. Yeah. Because everyone always thinks, you know, when you're sitting at TV, I can do that. Yeah, I cannot do that. I can, I <laughs> oh, you're going to say you're one that well, can't do I it? Mean, I, I'll, I'll try. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I, can, I can kick a ball around. Like, I've, you know, my, I've got daughters that have played soccer, that are like starting off, off in soccer. So yeah. I kick the ball around with them. And I've, you know, I've played, like, I played on an intramural team in college. But, like, no, I'm, I'm not, I, ha- I harbor no illusions about how great I might be in this <laughs> challenge. Okay. Well, then it's for all the others out there. Come out and give it a shot because uh, <laughs> it, 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 I always say it's a little bit harder than you think i bet it is i bet it is well that'll be be a fun piece of it too kobe thanks so much man yeah thanks for having me appreciate it good conversation with kobe jones really interesting perspectives from someone who has been there through a certain era of major league soccer who now watches it very intently and like we said he was here for the uh all-star game kind of uh promotion that game august 10th all sorts of stuff that weekend leading up to it at Allianz Field. They had a practice kind of thing for uh, the skills competition. I, I partook in it. I think I scored 15, so I hit two of the targets in my eight tries. Um, it's kind of fun, though. Just kick, you know, kicking a soccer ball around, you just like, drill it into the net, even if you didn't hit the target. That was just kind of fun. Um, so I hope you guys are able to get out and try that when All-Star Game weekend is here. Talking to Kobe was interesting too because it just reminded me of where major league soccer is in its evolution especially re- relative to some of these other existing leagues right we tend to think of oh man major league soccer like you know hurry up and establish yourself as you know this you know, establish this bigger foothold in uh, in, uh, in in the united states no pun intended but think about the leagues they're competing against you know major league baseball the NHL and the NFL, they're more than a hundred years old. Like they've been around for so long. NBA's been around for quite some time as well, you know, more than yeah, more than eighty years. I mean, they've they've been around for a very long time. Sorry, I meant seventy years on the NBA, but still a very long time. These are all much older than Major League Soccer. They've had a chance to kind of go through those early growing pains kind of build this fan base over the course of you know in most cases a century or at least you know close to three quarters of a century you know major league soccer is still you know founded in 1993 first season 1996 you know they've been around for about a quarter century so they're, they're still 
working on this. And this is a different era. You can maybe grow faster right now, but it's also a more competitive era in terms of all these leagues are now established. You're trying to come in. Um, you're trying to gain a, a gain a, gain some strength in in the United States, and you know, you're not the most popular sport in this country. This isn't the best league in the world, not even close. So there's been some challenges, and to think of where this league has gone from net from you know from then to now with this new deal they just got with Apple TV, which is very interesting. We'll give them a influx of some cash and some influx of some you know some recognition and being part of. You know this Apple brand that's, that that does everything very, you know, first class. Generally speaking, that to me, you know, there, there's been plenty of this growth, the expansion of the league, more teams coming into the league soon as well. You know, the Loons coming into the league just a few years ago. It's pretty impressive stuff. It's pretty impressive to see where this league has come, where it is potentially going to go, and I enjoy the perspectives that that, that Kobe offered on those fronts. Let us finish with the cooler, Tampa Bay Lightning, like I said at the jump. Boy, you try to count them out, right? This is a championship team. This is a team that knows how to win, that has won these championships in the last couple of years. Don't count teams like that out. And we proved that again on Monday. They went down 2-0 in Colorado, got absolutely blown out in Game 2 in Colorado. I think that final score was 7-0. Everyone's like, well... This is going to be a. This could be a sweep. This could just be the end of the road for them. Maybe it's just not happening this year. Uh-uh. Six-two on Monday in Tampa. Now we got a series. They could very easily even this one up. Put the pressure back on Colorado. Going back to, you know, going back to Colorado for Game Five. So Game Four becomes very interesting. Um, be interesting to see if Darcy Kemper plays for the Avalanche, the former Wild goalie. Um, pulled in the middle of Game 3. We'll see if he gets the nod in Game 4 or if they go in a different direction. So, bottom line, do not count out teams like that. Um, Golden State just proved that again. You know, they're a team like that too. You might have counted them out at certain points in the Boston series where it looked like the Celtics were taking over. Then all of a sudden, Golden State pulls that one out. You know, they were down 2-1 in in, in Game, you know, going into Game 4 and had a, a late deficit going back to you know, they were in Boston, and what happens? They win that game. They end up winning the rest of that series, don't lose again. So do not count these championship-caliber teams out. They have a certain, whether it's skill, whether it's mindset, whether it's this kind of intangible quality of, hey, we've been here before, those teams are the ones you cannot just, until they are done, until the other team has four wins in that series, the series is not over. That'll do it for today. Lavelli Neal III, columnist from the Star Tribune, should be with me on Wednesday's show. Interesting subject for him, looking at the top 10 athletes to watch here in this market over the next decade, ranking them, kind of riffing off of a list I put on Twitter about seven years ago, kind of looking at what might be the next 10 athletes of that next 10 years. So hope you enjoy that conversation with Lavelle. Um, some good stuff coming up later this week. Some really interesting um, Title IX related content coming on Thursday's show. And of course, Friday, we'll take a look at what the Wolves did in the NBA draft. That'll do it for today. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Be back at it again on Wednesday.